This episode of The Interchange is made possible by Absa and Timu. Hello and welcome to the third in a new series of The Interchange coming to you from Cliff Central Studios in the heart of Johannesburg. I am Busim Kumbuzi. Now at some point in South Africa, SAA, ESCOM, PRASA and Transnet didn't have a CEO at the very same time. The problem of all these SOEs are well documented. SAA continuously runs at a loss and has become dependent on bailouts at the expense of ordinary South Africans. The question then comes to mind. Should we still view these SOEs as catalysts for public value creation? Many have expressed the view that SOEs should, in fact, be privatized in order to remain viable. But there is still a strong sense that privatization won't solve the crisis that they serve a public interest and that public interest cannot be upheld in a privatized state. Now, to discuss this debate motion, this house would privatize all state-owned enterprises. I am joined by Tepo Mufugeng, a moral philosophy student and debate coach, Batandwam Debele, a law student and debater, Eric Kazadi, an environmental management student with a passion for Instagram aesthetics, <laughs> and Atlehang Mulefe, a PPE student and activist. And to provide an expert opinion, welcome back to Bongani Frank Masilela, Simong Director of Education, as well as a social entrepreneur. Welcome to you all, guys. How are you feeling today? We're good. We're good. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Great. Now, Bongani, to cut straight to you, explain to us as an expert what the role of SOEs is in society, but in particular, what makes them different from private sector counterparts, mm. and and how do that do those nuances uh, rather translate into how they are led, how they are governed, and how they are controlled? So in many instances, SOEs cover strategic industries that serve the public, um, whether it's the local consumer market or international consumer market. If you're looking at an airline, that's who carries us in and out of the country. ESCOM powers the country. Um, PRASA provides us with transport, and so does Transnet. And so the government having its hand in businesses like that is a reflection of um, the role that they play in our economy, but also how fragile society would be without them. So mm. it's important that the government who is most sensitive to the needs of society is running those organizations. The nuance between them is that SOEs are too obsessed with governance, whereas normal companies are obsessed with operations, Mm. right? And so what you end up having, the reason why these four SOEs um, currently are without a permanent CEO is due to the fact that CEOs are concerned with operations and strategies and don't want to be stifled with the hectic bureaucracy and governance um, that comes from being an SOE. And so I think that's the main difference right now. There are merits to both, right? There are many merits to an SOE being owned by government Mm -hmm. and being concerned with good governance and ethics. Um, But there are many detriments to that as well, as with private businesses. I think South Africa over the last couple of years has shown us that the myth that private enterprises are inherently better and more ethical than government-owned enterprises no longer exists. There have been too many scandals. So I'm very excited to hear what today's debate has to show us. But there are merits on both sides and we'd we'd just like to unpack that and understand that a bit more. Definitely. And I personally think it's going to be fiery. Um, If any of the debates that we've had are anything to go by, a lot of these debates seem black and white Mm. and seem quite clear from the onset, but they aren't. Mm. And to you at home listening, we really want to hear your thoughts on uh, the topic that we're debating. So if you have any views, leave them on our comment section and we'll be sure to engage them. Now, before we start the debate, let's run through some rules. 
Firstly, we're debating uh, in something called BP, British Parliamentary. It originated from the UK. And in this specific format, there are four speakers, two teams of two people on each side, a proposition and an opposition. Now, the speeches that we're going to have in this debate are going to alternate from proposition speaker one and end with opposition speaker two. Each speaker gives a speech of up to four minutes. The first and the last minute are protected, but in between those times, points of information may be offered. Let's get this debate started. This debate starts with Proposition Speaker 1, Tsepo. Alright, so the problem of state-owned enterprises is clear. They are failing, there's a record number of losses, and there's a great deal of corruption that we need to deal with. What we propose in the proposition is that what we need to do to improve these state-owned enterprises is to privatize them. And I want to characterize the forms of privatization that we support. So firstly, we support full-on privatization for medium-risk state-owned enterprises. The second thing that we support is a complete shutdown of some of the worst state-owned state-owned enterprises. Examples of this would include the SAA and the ESCOM, whose existence has purely just been a place where states can put in money, bail them out, but with very little efficiency and with very little return coming from those enterprises. Additionally, we think what needs to happen is a reconfiguration of state policy, because part of the reason why state-owned enterprises are failing isn't just because they're run by government, but it's because the policies surrounding their operation are bad. So we've got poor energy policies that mean that ESCOM can get away with with, um, poor service delivery. We've got an inability to run um, transport and perhaps having an integrated transport system that means that the SAA and other transport systems run by the government can be bad. So we need a reconfiguration of state policy in addition to privatizing some state-owned enterprises. Where has this worked? So we see this in a couple of contexts. So the um, British, Canadian, and Swiss airways got privatized after a long time of not being efficient and of recording losses. And after about 10 years into privatization, we already started seeing returns and we already started seeing and improvement. It has worked. It has worked in a couple of contexts. We think that this is something that South Africa should continue. Before I get into my arguments, Eric. So I think your past is a bit drastic, right? We think we have things such as parastatals or the incorporation of more privatized uh, structures within the current structure that has occurred. Sure. So what's going to need to happen from you guys as a team is an is a comparative argumentation of whether full-on privatization as opposed to all these other alternatives is better. That's argumentation that I'm going to allow you to make. <laughs> we'll get it when it happens. Okay. So why do we think that privatization is something that is justified, a legitimate policy, and something that is good? So the first thing to say is that the necessity of services that state-owned enterprises provide for does not infer that governments should be the ones that provide those services. And it's something that we normally allow. So we don't let government be the only one that provide food or provide clothing, even though those things are a necessity, it doesn't necessarily infer that governments should be the ones who provide those services. A priority on government's part should be on providing services that perhaps only they can um, be the ones in charge of. So, for example, perhaps we want to exclusively say that the government can be the only one that um, provides policing. The second thing is an issue of inefficiency, and government has proven itself to be inefficient and incapable of running the state-owned enterprises. Atlaha? So when you want full-on privatization, that essentially means that then you remove the mandate that the government has to serve those services or... Think about your question with regards to any other company, right? Government may un- understand their responsibility to ensure that services are provided, but it doesn't mean that they always necessarily have to be those um, um, people that are responsible for that. So, for example, government has a responsibility to ensure that people get employed, but they don't need to be the ones responsible for employing absolutely everyone. We do have an ability for government to oversee it, even in instances when they are private companies. Cool. So why has government been inefficient and why is there a cause for us to remove them from running these state-owned enterprises? So one, state-owned enterprises are failing, but particularly they are costly 
directly for the economy. Uh, state-owned enterprises like ESCOM, um, Prasa, Prasa and the SAA are one of the biggest threats to the economy as suggested by um, rating agencies. The second thing is state-owned enterprises are held accountable by the state itself, which essentially just means no accountability and an incentive to cover up inefficiency. So things like bailouts and things like just replacing management as opposed to accepting the fact that the state has failed. What it represents is a theft against poor people to spend their tax money on just bailing out um, state-owned enterprises as opposed to accepting that government is failing. Lastly, there's hardly any future projected success for any of these state-owned enterprises, given the fact of a historical account of their failure and the fact that they are plagued with so much corruption on all levels of their operation. There's hardly any future projected success. We cannot accept state-owned enterprises as they are. We can't accept to leave them the way they are. We need to privatize. Sepo, your time is up. Thank you so much for that speech. And I'm now going to ask the opposition speaker one to give us rebuttal. Thank you. So we think, like, as a, as a flag in the POI, that yes, state-owned enterprises are failing, but privatization is largely a drastic, like, solution to it, which actually won't be efficient. So for example, we've seen countries such as Namibia, which have privatized a lot of their, like, states-owned enterprises, resulting in mass unemployment. Because the reason that this is an outcome of that is that what happens when private Entities with profit incentives take over something which should be providing, which are things which are realistically basic necessities for individuals. Like individuals need to be able to be mobile so that they could be economic agents. So we need things such as PRASA. But when a private entity with a profit margin takes this, is they are likely to want to cut as much cost as possible to try and increase those profit margins. This is likely to lead to a lot of retrenchment. We think that that's something that is particularly bad for a South African economy, also just politically unpalatable, which is something that we think states which is why we think states aren't doing it currently secondly though we think that the necessity of these uh services are things which actually justify them being state provided things such as electricity supply things such as like water supply things that are actually like important for the functioning of that economy of that actual society it's not just about like making things be more efficient we think that it's legitimate for the state to have alternative goals such as making sure that individuals have like Cheap and accessible modes of transportation through things such as PRASA. But thirdly, there's likely to be, like, there's a lot of room for the incorporation of the efficiency of private entities. We saw this with the post office when they hired a corporate man as their CEO, like, a few years ago, and that meant that the post office became more efficient in its running. But also, I'll take you at the end of this, but also we see things with ESCOM having programs such as, like, the private uh, energy producers procurement program, which allows for individuals to privately, like, produce power but sell it to ESCOM and then it's distributed towards that. So we think we can incorporate it but what they are suggesting is a full-on privatization which is likely to lead to worse outcomes but also just like completely shutting down certain um, certain SOEs because we don't think realistically we have medium risk SOEs, right? They're all high risk so they would have to shut down things like ESCOM and SAA and defend that. TEPO has been disingenuous, yes. Why can't we regulate out all of the issues that we have with privatization? So why can't we put policies in place that keep companies, for example, from just the reason why we can't like regulate uh, private entities right now, right? We think that private entities have been able to get away with a lot of atrocities, things like acid mine drainage from mine companies aren't being properly regulated. You problematize corruption in your own speech, but don't realize what this actually means in when we allow for private entities that aren't accountable to a populace, that aren't accountable to the ballot boxes to be allowed to have such control over the bare necessities that people need for their daily survival. So what what have I shown you then in this speech, right? We think that it's 
it's not just about creating the most efficient system. If the outcomes of that efficiency are things which are likely to be detrimental for the wider population and for the country at large, we think we can have a medium, like a compromise where we, and we do recognize that yes, SOEs aren't fa- are failing because of the huge amount of like reliance and political pressure that exists. But if we incorporate, co- uh, if we incorporate corporations and like corporate actors, we are able to still Fulfill that government mandate that Atle Hang speaks of in the POI and still have some sort of greater efficiency. We think things like unemployment, things such as being beholden to corporate incentives are far worse outcomes than a potentially in a, inefficient, um, SOE. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much for that speech, Eric. Batandwa. Alright, so basically what we've gotten from opposition at this point is that the government is the one that has the mandate to provide these ex- like essential services to people. But the question that we really need to ask ourselves is when do we decide that what the government is doing is failing and that we need to look at alternatives, right? So at what point do we decide that load shedding has been going on for more than five years, yeah, yeah. this is no longer working and that we need to look at alternatives, right? It's not enough for us to argue that it is possible that these companies are going to also be corrupt, right? The conversation here is not about whether or not corruption exists in both worlds. It's a, a conversation about what is better for the people themselves. At the point where we actually have the chance of providing the service, we think that then we should look at that, right? So what you've basically told us is this whole idea of the fact that privatization is a drastic solution, that we should rather look internally within the government for them to find other solutions of still maintaining these SOEs without having to privatize, right? What's important about, what, which has already been discussed in this so far, is the idea of the fact that companies themselves are profit-driven, yes? We get that they main aim is not to serve the needs of the people. But we're okay with um, we're okay with making that concession because within their private uh, um, their profit-driven mandate, what ends up happening is because they want to create a profit, they're more Atanda. likely to better their service, right? They're more yeah, likely yeah. to be um, efficient because they need to provide that service, which is something that isn't going to occur on the government side of the house, right? Yeah. Before I go into my next point, yes, Eric. Running things such as ESCOM have huge amounts of sunk costs because you need to buy like that equipment in the like initially we think corporations if they are going to take that risk are likely to firstly also hike up prices but also be very drastic in terms of how they treat employers and cut back and create a lot of amount of unemployment in the country so we think that at the point where companies are constantly speaking about opening up these um SOEs and privatizing them, we then understand that actually the money to have this privatization actually occurs. I think it's a bit weird to argue that these corporations are not going to have the money to build up like these, these, um, these plants and they aren't going to be able to like sure. privatize, right? Cause like it's more than possible to create loans and then make up the money. That can't be an argument in any way, right? Further, if we argue that there's going to be retrenchments and that this is going to pr- affect people's jobs, what we tell you here is that if the company in itself is profitable and is growing that creates more jobs than what we're currently seeing right so we don't think that we want at any point to accept mediocrity yeah, even yeah. if it is coming from our government right just to just for us to argue that it's the government's mandate should not then mean that we should accept this right because um in effect if these if we privatize and it, which is more likely to be successful this actually is just going to create more revenue for the government itself because when a private company operates it still has to give some of this money to the government yeah, in yeah. the forms of tax right that's still going to come back 
to the society, to the people themselves. So we're still serving their interests, right? And further, um, when we speak about, Tepo asks you a POI about regulation and what that means, right? So you then argue that regulation just cannot exist. The fact that we understand that there was a KPMG scandal means that regulation does work, right? The government and like other um, entities that exist actually investigate, right? The fact that these stories are in the news is because regulation exists and people can be held accountable. What we need to discuss in today's debate and what needs to be answered from the side of opposition is firstly, when do we then decide what is best um, um, for the people and when do we decide that the purpose of these SOVEs has actually failed and that we should look at alternatives and what that is actually going to mean for the society itself, right? Once we're able to answer that question, I think then we can look past simple things like saying that there's going to be a loss of jobs because at the point where something is inefficient, it's actually costing the government more money. The service is not being provided. People are losing out. There's bailouts. Um, at that point, we aren't even able to have this discussion of the fact that we should continue with something that is failing. Because quite simply, the only reason that these SOEs are still managed by the government is because they are the government. If it had been a private company, it would have been shut down long time yeah, ago. Yeah. So therefore, we need to then answer the question of, let's move forward, actually create some sort of change which is better for the people. Your time is up. Thank you so much for that speech. And for our final speech, Atlahang. It's usually an easy cop out for government to say that when they are failing, we need to allow for private institutions to like rescue the government. Firstly, you need to understand the nature of privatization and what essentially you're opting for. The first thing is to understand that these individuals are profit driven. And also secondly is to understand that like that sort of accountability that you're talking about can still exist even when we have the government being able to, to facilitate these things. What you need to understand here is that at a point at which you're advocating for like privatization, it means that like downside of a lot of things. So it means that firstly you would need to remove a lot of individuals. So in as much as SOEs are about like a commercial, it's like more like commercial, but it's also important to understand that it's about providing those services to the individuals. The reason why currently there's a push out in terms of like individuals not wanting to use SAA is because it's like expensive. So you need to understand at a point at which you allow for private companies then to rescue them, you make it it even more expensive, which means that even though it's efficient, there aren't a lot of people actually wanting to take SAA as their only airline. The second thing also that is mostly important that you need to understand is that like in a country like South Africa where like the economy is still developing you can't be implementing policies like we need to create a full-on privatization of a lot of things, yeah, especially yeah. basic necessities okay. for individuals. Because the most important thing to understand and the most fundamental thing is to understand that it's about well, serving the people and not necessarily about creating a commercial side where we're supporting like things such as capitalism Please and saying engage. that we need to privatize things. I'll take you at two minutes. Thirdly, ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand the most important thing and the only thing we could possibly do is to maintain the current system and just like try to fix the administration within sure. these SOEs as opposed to saying that privatization is the best form of mechanism because we think even when you privatize things we, we effic- like even when you privatize things it still doesn't justify the fact that the policies are much more legitimate or far better than when a system is more government related. Ultimately they're not going to win today's debate because firstly even when you privatize something you aren't necessarily able to tackle corruption because Corruption happens when you like actively try to fix the administration and when you actively try to make sure that like individuals that are in those positions of power don't necessarily manipulate the system. Secondly, also the biggest theft to humanity is consistently saying that when a government system is failing, we ought to allow for private companies to rescue that because these people are usually very profit driven and it's not necessarily about like providing those necessities efficiency because even when they do provide them efficiently so it is also a matter of understanding that they're going to be more expensive which means that 
then you even remove the accessibility to a lot of these resources. If you want to win this debate, you have to save yourself and tell us exactly why full-on privatization is better. Take in Seppo. If not removing people from their jobs and keeping service delivery, the cost of it really low, results in a lack of service delivery and a cost to the state, the harms that you talk about that we remove people and we make it more expensive are legitimate and they are necessary for us to get that service delivery. Okay, so the comparative here is to understand that is it about creating accessibility to these resources? Is it about like full-on privatization? If you want these services to be accessible to a lot of individuals, it means that you are not going to say that private companies should rescue them because at a point at which they do, it means that they're going to be expensive and you remove yeah. that accessibility yeah. that you were talking about, which essentially means, ladies and gentlemen, you're pushing up you're pushing towards a system where only middle class people can only access these kinds of services. To travel to Cape Town right now by using SAA, it's like 5,000, which a lot of people can't necessarily afford that. At a point at which you allow for private companies then to rescue, it means that you even increase the price to, to travel to, to, to like to Cape Town, which essentially means, ladies and gentlemen, that you aren't necessarily able to get the returns that you were talking about. Because if you push individuals towards using an alternative, an alternative solution, it means that you are less likely going to get the sort of outcomes that you're talking about because people would still not want to use SAA at a point at which it's now expensive to go to to Cape Town. Lastly, in conclusion to this, we think the most important thing we can also acknowledge that like government is failing, but we think that in order to improve the efficiency of a government in a country, it's not necessarily to say that private companies should like rescue them, but essentially saying that we need to fix the administration. What are those words? Thank you so much. Bongani, I'm going to bring you back um, into the debate. I'm going to rope you in. Firstly, what did you think of that debate? Quite heated, um, <laughs> as expected. Um, it's just great when you listen to a debate that unpacks issues so well in a time when the public needs this sort of discourse yeah. and this sort of education. So well done to, to, to all four debaters. I really think there's a strong understanding of the problems that we face with our SOEs. Definitely. And I think one of the big themes that came out of this debate or a big question that that I have um, based on the contention that we had from both proposition and opposition is a lot of people feel that the alternative to privatization is continued poor governance. And this mm-hmm. came through in Batandwa's speech. Is that necessarily true? Is it that straightforward? Not necessarily. I think, um, and, and I think you mentioned this earlier on when you said, you know, these issues aren't always black and white, right? We can always give you examples like South Africa where SOEs have failed, um, like the UK in the 1980s where British Airways was failing. But we can give you other examples like Sweden and France where a lot of companies continue to be state-owned. Mm. And so the argument isn't black and white. I think um, one of the – I think it was Atle Hang who brought up the argument around administration and mm. the fact that in South Africa we just don't have a strong sense of good, clean government. Mm. but at the same time, efficient administration. So it it is possible uh, 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 to allow these companies to remain as SOEs if you fix the administration. But at the same time, you open when you privatize them, you open up to new innovations that you might not have known about before. That's solving issues like the price issue with SAA. If you privatize it, you might find that they spin it off into a low-budget airline um, that makes plane tickets cheaper. So many possibilities. In fact, on that issue of price, and and I'm also going to open our debaters here, is it true that privatized products and services are necessarily more expensive than ones that are provided by the state. 
Um, I don't think so in any way. Because if we use the SAA example, like Flysafe is private, Kulula is private, mm, Mango is mm, private. Mm. That's a way cheaper option than flying with SAA. Yeah. So it is really possible for like, also if you think about privatization, it creates some kind of competition. Yeah. That competition forces the prices to go down because they're competing for the customers themselves. Yes. So that's going to help in terms of price like management in terms of that. So, and I think just a moment uh, there, Eric, and I think this is the nuance that we were exploring earlier when we're looking at what the counterparts of SOEs are. But Eric, uh, you have a point to make. So I think it also has like the nuance there is to look at the scale at which it operates. Yeah. So if you're talking about large scale things like the national power grid, there's no way you can make that low cost as a private entity, I believe, because you have to invest in the huge sound costs of buying mm-hmm. out that infrastructure, buying like paying out the loans that they mm-hmm. currently have and all that bad credit history. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very expensive, at least initially for a private entity. And that's something that because of the considered upon like profit incentive, they have the motivation to want to make up in the long term. So you have higher prices mm. later on. So in terms of scale, mm. I think small scale airliners, sure, but that's mm. not likely to be applicable mm. in large scale. Like if you're looking thing. at process, for example, yeah. and I mean, it also then leads us to asking ourselves about the question of what, to what extent uh, SOEs play a role in our economic development globally. And I think these ideas came through when examples about Tanzania came through. I think it was an Eric speech, but also when we look at uh, post-World War uh, two in Europe, um, you know, countries like France, like Austria, Finland, Norway, and Italy all had very dynamic SOE sectors. I don't know if any of uh, um, our debaters or maybe even our, our experts on the panel have any views on what specifically was different between how those SOEs were managed, controlled, and governed versus what we have in South Africa. Mm. I think Tepo covered this quite well when he spoke about policy um, and syncing your policy with your operations. Uh, when you look at a post-war uh, society, usually the government and businesses are in sync. We have to rebuild. The yeah. business. Uh, the government wants to rebuild infrastructure and take care of people, um, and businesses want to have consumers um, and want to be able to operate in a healthy environment. I think with South Africa right now, there's no huge, there's no big enough impetus because mm. we're, we're, we're all happy to go with the flow as things are. There's nothing drastic. There's no war. There's no mm. famine. There's no epidemic mm. that is that is pushing everyone to put their policy in sync and operate in a united manner. So it's I think it's the tragedy that the, that that's yeah that's the tragedy of war. But at the same time, that's a benefit of having to rebuild after a war mm. versus the status quo that we have right now. There's no inspiration. I think I want to ask a direct question um, specifically to our debaters, starting from Tsepo and moving um, all the way down. Um, what is the biggest theft to South Africans? Denting the public finance budget or a failing SOE? That's that's a bit of a tricky one to answer um, because I think on the one hand, it's definitely theft against South Africans um, to not be providing services and to essentially just be wasting tax money. The other thing to consider, however, is specifically given the, um, the historical background of South Africa, one of the toughest things that we had to overcome with apartheid was a denial of black individuals from running themselves and like, governing mm. themselves. Part of um, um, the incentive for the South African government to do so much work is to display that muscle, to display that ability mm. to govern, to display like that sense of 
power and that sense of ownership of our own affairs and our mm. ability to govern ourselves. So it's kind of a, a bit of a tricky thing because we're trying to provide services to people at the same time as trying to present that ability for them to govern themselves. So I think it's a bit of a tricky cost. Patanda, do you have a yes or no preventing <laughs> um, public finance or failing SOEs? I think... Um, We always have to take into account the people themselves and what's going to, even if we look at like the optics of it, that the the government is going to be viewed as not being able to provide the service. Mm. I think the best government knows what their people need, right? So for a government to take a stand to understand that it is better for us to privatize, I think is better. And at the point where we're taking away from the budget that Mm. is going to affect Mm. people, I think Mm. then we can't have a conversation of but the optics, I think we should mm. always then look at, at the end of the day, we survive on money. And this is directly affecting people's lives and people still need to go forward. So I think SOEs will just have to go. SOEs have to go. Mm-hmm. I think I'm also still against like the full-on privatization. I don't know yeah. if we can do a system where we say that it's a, like a 50-50 or 60-40 where we still have state intervention in those. Because mm-hmm. I still maintain the fact that like the biggest problem then it's also like public administration. The fact that even the funds that goes towards SOEs aren't necessarily enough but at a point at which you take um you think that like giving them a lot of money now it's like you're trying to fix a long-term problem by using Mm. a short-term method so i think over time it's not necessarily going to work so um i think even though i can say that public finance are failing soes but i still think that like state intervention is more important as opposed to like privatizing privatizing like um soes and there is an aspect of that uh that we, we do see being advocated for at Parliament, for example, where people are saying part ownership of SOEs should be privatized just to raise money for infrastructure and to get that capital going. Um, so, you know, we could explore possibilities of uh, 50-50 or 60-40 ownership models as opposed to full-on privatization or full-on um, public um, ownership. Eric? So, yeah, I think the discussion around like a sort of parastatal kind of organization is valuable because it is a fact that like state governance and of state running of these SOEs has been problematic. But like Atlahang says, the solution then can't necessarily just be a black and white one where we mm. say, well, government has failed. Let's go fully private because that also just like removes away a lot of the problems with privatization also that has been seen to occur. So it's sort of like joint, uh, cooperative thing, something which is likely to be beneficial because at the end of the day, it's all about making sure that the individuals are able to get to work. At the end of the day, it's all about making sure that individuals are able to be mobile and have power so that we can like run as a functioning economy. Mm. So there has to be more cooperation definitely, but I don't think the solution can be full on privatization. The optics are important, I think, Mm. because also the state needs to have some sort of control over things Mm. that are so essential for their people Mm. to actually be functional within the society. As always, I'm going to give the last word to our expert the biggest losers in 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 any scenario are the people and and so what does the future look like not only for soes but for the people of south africa should soes continue to be a going concern i think the 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 bigger question cannot just be isolated to soes but i i do think the business environment the governance environment in south africa right now has to ask itself many many important questions as i said 10 years ago it was very easy to say the private sector tends to run things better because back then south african companies didn't have as many corruption scandals as they do right now mm. but right now we have to put them both on a pedestal and uh, expose them for the flaws that they have yeah. um, and also credit them 
where we credit them. So we have to rethink governance as a culture in South Africa. We have to rethink business ethics, but also what efficiency means. Mm. Um, and those are two questions that both the government and the private sector has to ask themselves. How do we balance those to make sure that we're serving people the best, but also to make sure that we're giving them the best service possible, mm. that we're maintaining jobs, that we're upskilling people. That is a that is a broader question than just administration, mm. and I think South Africa needs its post World War II moment where we where we sync all of those things across business and private sector. Well, you heard it. South Africa needs its post World War II moments. That was a very interesting debate, and one that I hope will uh, reach the right ears because, like we said repeatedly throughout all the speeches, the biggest losers if we don't address the SOE issue are the people, are the poor, the ordinary South African citizens who get taxed for the mishaps of those who are in power. That was the interchange episode three, and see you again next time. This was another thought-provoking debate made possible by APSA and Simon, amplifying the voices of young people. You decide for yourself. Should state-owned enterprises in South Africa be privatized, or is there a winning rescue model? The Interchange, seeing Africa through a youthful lens.